Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. Hi, this is The Rock from The Times and The Sunday Times. Thanks once again for joining us. It's been a spectacular weekend in which Australia was downed at the hands of Scotland and in which the black ferns became the black weeds against the red roses. <laughs> I'm Stephen Jones and I'm delighted to welcome Owen Slot back onto the podcast. Slotty, as everybody knows now because he's told them, is the <laughs> chief sports writer. Is that the, your official title, Slotty? That's it, yeah. Thank chief you sports for that. writer of yeah. The Times, but yeah. it's typical of his modesty that he's come back for to dear old rugby for a bit of a chat with his old friends uh, which he has not forgotten to be frank before he went up the golden elevator uh, to join <laughs> mr murdoch on his right hand we also have here according to my script the legendary broadcaster john inverdale i'll be having a word with the script writer soon um, but Invers, you're you're very welcome old chap i know that you've been um involved heavily in discussions for the future of rugby. Does rugby have a future? I think it does have a future, but I think what that future is is very interesting. Oh, and uh, I, I think, I think and I, I'm going to be very interested to hear what the chief sports writer of the Times has to say about it. I know, I know. Well, hang on every word. I can't wait to get onto it. I thought we were talking about international rugby today, but actually the whole existential problem of rugby is far greater. No, How long have we got for this podcast? That's so, really down the, down, the, down the order now. Let's just uh, go on to Eddie Jones then, just to drag ourselves back to rugby, if Eddie Jones is rugby. I'm never quite sure. This morning in the Times, Eddie is... Um, and not content with his grasp of everything rugby and everything English, he's now got a grasp of uh, of tennis, world-class tennis. He uh, warns Marcus Smith, who he brought on fairly late in the game on Saturday, Owen, not to be like Emma Raducanu, by which he means, I think, I think he's accusing Raducanu of taking her eyes off the new balls and the old balls um, by uh, indulging in... The, the sort of fantasy of wealth and riches and and deals and agents, etc. Um, is there a comparison and is that fair or is Eddie talking out of his backside as usual? I think it's I think it's a, a fascinating comparison. So so on one level it's interesting because because um, poor old Emma Raducanu she's only um, been U.S. Open champion like seven weeks or something. And it's an example of what it's like suddenly being a superstar is you, you. she now has the England rugby coach giving an opinion on how she's conducting her affairs. He's he's saying, let's make sure that Marcus Smith doesn't doesn't do this. But 
But what, what he's actually saying is is Marcus Smith is entering right into Emma Raducanu territory where everyone is going to have an opinion of about him, whatever happens. Now, whether it's right or wrong about what what he says about Raducanu, is she, is she um, uh, become a, a commercial magnet and no longer a tennis player? Well, that, that's a, a, another conversation altogether. I actually think he... That there is something in there. There is something in there. What he says that how, how he knows what what she's up to, I don't know at all. John, I, I, do, I do think, I think surely, it's a, surely he's, he's way out of his depth here. Already, I, I think it's an interesting point. When Marcus Smith came on on Saturday, there was a palpable intake of breath by eighty-two thousand people at Twickenham, and I, and the, the danger with being involved in this world, our world for you know it's an eternity, is you can become a bit jaundiced and a bit cynical about things, and the next big thing. You think, really? It's not as good as the old big thing. I remember, I, I saw Glenn Hoddle make it, play his first ever game for Spurs. I remember he came on and he was so brilliant. Everybody was just going, oh my God, that is just beyond. And Amir Khan, one of his first fights, people saying, have you seen anybody with this vitality and this pizzazz? And on Saturday, when Marcus Smith came on, no matter how well people had been playing up until that point, he just gave something to that occasion, to that ground that hadn't been there before. And in the bar afterwards, it was all anybody was talking about. Now, whether that's right or wrong is neither here nor there. It's because we live in this slightly superficial world of image, of everything else that goes with it. What does he look like? He looks pretty cool. He looks like he's in a boy band. He actually look, To me, actually, I think with the hair, I think he does look like a bit like a sort of throwback to Spandau Ballet 40 years ago. But he comes on. You we're, look at him. We're all it, showing our age now. Yeah, but, but, you, but you come on. An image, strut, swagger. He's just got something. And just lifted everybody. And I, I, half an hour after the game had ended, people were still talking about how great a player in years to come would we... And he's only been on for 28 minutes. So, but I, so I think there is a danger here of all of us getting carried away. But, fundamentally, what a player. Can and what a player say, he could be. Carried he, away. He, it's just say, a minute. Raducanu, maybe new, she has won a Grand Slam tournament. Yeah. She's the first Brit to win one since before Spando Ballet were, yes. even, were even formed. <laughs> so Marcus Smith, in terms of international rugby, has done the better part of nothing. Yeah, that's well, a, I mean, that, that is just such a jumping on the bandwagon thing, Invers, and I'm I'm surprised at you no, as, a, but because, as a seasoned journalist, okay, not Jones, the general sports writer like Slotty. Jonesy, put it another I, way. Put it, journalist. put it another way. When mm. when have you last been this excited about a potential debut for a, an England rugby player? Now I know I know he played twice in the summer. I know he got 25 minutes or something against Tonga, but he hasn't played against a um a, a top a top international team yet. I, personally, I can't remember when I was last so thrilled to see how uh, a, a new young talent can go. I was as thrilled, uh, the last time I was as, as thrilled as I was about Marcus Smith was last Thursday. Oh, Jonesy, Jonesy, he's not playing. Did you really get out of bed on? Did you get out of bed on the wrong side today? Because that's that's a that's a miserable commodity. John, we don't know who he saw last Thursday. Well, no, that's a good point. Jonesy, what game you out on Thursday? (laughs) When did the Premiership last uh, replicate international rugby? The Premiership is exciting and attacking. The international rugby isn't. And actually, Tonga. Let's let's just remember one thing about Tonga. They weren't Tonga. Tonga are not very good. Okay, this wasn't even the not very good Tonga. These were the dregs yep. that they picked up in France because of COVID. Yeah, but Jonesy, now, for Jonesy, sake, you, if you if you if you're going to be diving off the high board because of Marcus Smith, 
we'll be having our bathing trunks on for about 10 years. Let me, let of me, course let me... you're right that he hasn't done anything yet in international rugby. That's because he hasn't played it yet. What we're saying is how excited we are about what he can do. And, and also, there. the key thing here, as three curmudgeonly journalists, I'm just looking at it from the other side. I'm looking at it from the point, if I'm working for X, whatever marketing brand that is, whatever organisation that is outside sport, and I'm thinking... Who are we going to pick up on here? Who is the somebody who could be advertising this, who could be promoting that, who could be the face of whatever it might be? I tell you what, Marcus Smith ticks about every single well, box. Well, that just shows so, how shallow that world is. Inverse, when you, <laughs> when you <coughs> broke away to score for the rugby writers against Sparta Prague... Yes, the, 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 the endorsements the match, came flooding that, that, in. No, they didn't, actually. <laughs> the, the, you had nothing. You didn't have a single offer. So, um, but on the other hand, at least you kept your balance after that magnificent try. But um, I'm I'm sorry, guys. You've both gone over the off the high board. You really have. And when he's done the equivalent of Raducanu, then Eddie can can compare. But at the moment, there's no comparison in my in my opinion. Slotty, you can have the last word, and then Invers can have the last word after that. Jesus, yeah, Invers, we never allow the last word, do we? When Jones is in charge of this thing. Um, I, I'm just I'm, I don't know whether he's actually I'm just I'm looking because the good thing is we're, we're actually in a studio together as opposed to being sort of down lines and things so I'm just watching Jonesy's face while he's saying this and well, we're waiting we've, for that smile well, we, well, we've known each other an awful long time and I just can't decide if this is deliberately just poking the bear just to sort of provoke debate I can tell you for or nothing if you, or do you actually believe what you're saying here I totally hand on heart I'm not poking the bear where is the bear anyway I'm not poking the bear I totally believe that hype is something that you dole on someone and you, you flood him with it until he's done something well all I would say is I think you know let's assume I mean it is a very interesting debating point about who will start at 10 for England next Saturday against Australia mm. you know but surely you know what do we know surely Marcus Smith will start and then maybe we see on a different level the extent to which he could become a superstar, inverted commas, okay. of the game. But rugby, the one thing we always we need to always be realistic about in rugby is that there are actually very, very few... This, this game, this, this entire sport, has produced very, very few sporting stars who have not just transcended the game, but have actually moved into being mm. international stars. Completely you know, Lomu right. might be in there. Even Johnny Wilkinson might have a question mark against it. There's so few people. You know, Dan Carter, okay, maybe a god in New Zealand, but you know, he's not, he can walk down the street in Pennsylvania and nobody know who he was. Come on, Amos, what but, about but, Stuart Abbott, the former WAS centre? Yeah. You're not giving him a fair turn there. No, no probably not. But, any, but any, anyway, I, I just think that, that if Marcus Smith is half as good as people think he might be, he could be a real, genuine superstar. In fact, if he's half as good as you appear to think he is, he could be Prime Minister. They've got Australia, then they've got world champion South Africa, OK? Mm. To play for your life in, at fly half in the, against South Africa, would you have George Ford, Owen Farrell or Marcus Smith? Because I would have those three in that order. Ford, it's an autumn international. Ferrell, it's not a World Cup, and that's the big difference. And that's one of the fundamental oh, problems with me. all inter all John, autumn internationals. South Africa is the, replaying the, no, front, the no, World no, Cup final. No, no, no. That's that's you hyping up the match. That's you getting it's caught up in it. It match. is you hyping up the match. No, it's not. I it, tell you it what. Is. If this match, if England against South Africa was the deciding match in determining who won the annual trophy for all the international matches, yeah, if it was a World year, Cup final, if, if, then 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 it's a different conversation. But because we're at the stage where it matters and it's a game that you know 
will get forgotten because these autumn internationals do after a while. Therefore, you have to start Marcus Smith because then if, you if find England that. If England don't win, Eddie is right back under pressure. He has to win. Otherwise, he's beaten a useless Tongan and a semi-useless Australia. England have to win that match. I disagree, I Jonesy. If, if, about if, the autumn internationals, it's, it, it does help get because word at, at, Car- at Cardiff, you haven't answered the question When yet. did the word last uh, word cease to mean last? You know, what is that word? <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 which syllable of the word last word, am I misunderstanding? Okay, I, I, can Saturday, I have the first word, please? <laughs> watching up close, you have no idea of the intensity of that Springbok team and the Welsh team and how much they wanted to win. They were absolutely yeah. flat out. Slotty, the last word to you goes... To you, do you want who do you want to play for your life against South Africa at fly half? Okay, so you're saying it's a World Cup final tomorrow? No, I'm saying England no, South Africa is a massive game. It's a massive game. Wait, I'm picking Marcus Smith. Whatever happens, because I don't think you can't you can't not pick him anymore. If it's a World Cup final tomorrow, I'd probably pick George Ford. Okay, because okay. I think George Ford is he's a proven international rug. Uh, uh, Proven international ten, and and obviously Marcus isn't because he hasn't played international ten yet. Right next, I'll tell we'll you what, I've really missed this. <laughs> right next, we'll chat with the former Scotland captain John Barclay about Scotland's match with Australia yesterday. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if Invers and uh, Slotty can get Marcus Smith into that. <laughs> The TalkSport Network is the home of the Autumn Nation series this November. The action continues this weekend with four matches on TalkSport, including a triple bill on Saturday of Scotland versus South Africa, Ireland against New Zealand and England hosting Australia. Wales against Fiji is on Sunday, so download the TalkSport app to stay up with all the action. Hello, now we've got John Barker with us. Uh, John, uh, we all much enjoyed your column on uh, Richard Cockrell uh, last week and Eddie Jones. We're waiting for the first punch-up, so it could be one fairly soon, do you reckon? <laughs> Possibly. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. We Hopefully we can realise it's just opinions and everyone has opinions, but um, yeah, it could be an interesting discussion if we bump into each other in the street. Excellent. Um, John, um, first of all, a, a great... Uh, it seemed to be a great um, occasion, leaving leave aside the technical qualities of the match, etc. Yesterday, it seemed a real, really great occasion. The crowd appeared to be well into it and really maybe one of the best days for some seasons. Yeah, I think you, you probably hit the nail on the head there. It, was, it wasn't the best game. Uh, technically, tactically, it wasn't, it wasn't superb. There was a lot of errors in it. But um, just to be back at Mauritius with you know a full stadium... The week before uh, against Tonga, you know, half full. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're pretty biased as Scots. We think it's pretty nice playing at Murrayfield and to have it, you know, fully sold out uh, on a big occasion like that. It was, a, yeah, a real privilege to be back because the last, you know, 18 months was, was hard work as a, as a commentator. And I can't imagine as a player how, how I would have found that. Probably not that enjoyable. So there's a, there's a great there was a great sense of relief, but isn't it remarkable that some of these guys are still quite new to the team? I mean, the team has been ever changing in the last few seasons, but th- these guys may have may have put down a marker to sort of all continue in the team. Would you Would you agree? Uh, I think that was a pretty settled team, and that's as as close to Scotland's first choice team as you're going to get. Um, I think probably in the second row that they, they, you know, you could argue that Scott Cummings and Johnny Gray um, might be the, the first choice players there. I think as a as a backline, that is 
as good a backline as, as Scotland can, uh, and with impact coming off the bench. So um, I think there's some guys in there that are inexperienced. Um, but if you look at the team, you know, even the guys who are, who are relatively inexperienced, they've still played, you know, you know, 14 of the last 15 test matches or whatever it might be. So um, yeah, no, I think that for me is is pretty much full strength. I think certainly the, the guys the week before, very inexperienced team against Tonga and, and equipped themselves well. And I think we, I said in my column, I, I, how much did we learn about that game other than the fact that there's a huge gap between um, Tonga and some of the tier two nations yeah. and, and the top tier one nations, which is a you know a totally different topic and one that we could spend almost days talking about and how to rectify that. But um, I think for the guys that played in that game, they played superbly well. Um, you can only play what's in front of you and to actually go out there, get your first cap out the way that sounds dismissive, but there's something about getting the nerves and getting the anxieties and that big hurdle of getting your first cap can be such an emotional one. So to actually have that sort of one game under the belt and to be putting a bit of pressure on the guys who are sort of sat in pole positions in those positions. Sure. John, just um, a sort of general question on the background. Um, Scotland's have not been great in terms of results for, for a long time. Do you, do you think that the... That the what rugby has lost in terms of world, uh, in terms of interest in the country, in terms of um, people d- dying to go to Murrayfield or maybe going to, to get the pro te- to watch the pro teams. Do you think that can all can all be recovered now that the team is shaping up better? And actually, John, before you answer that, could I just chip in on that? Because I actually, I actually spoke at a dinner last week at the Caledonian Club in London, and I'm sure you've probably been there, John, on a couple of occasions. And uh, there were a lot of Scottish sort of golfing people there, but Scottish rugby people is there who were talking about playing numbers in Scotland, some schools that were rugby schools now not playing in, in, in Scotland as well. And it seems to me that if that is an issue, an international team that's winning is absolutely paramount to keeping the sport vibrant and keeping it in the forefront of people's people's minds. I think there's Scotland needs to have a successful and vibrant and uh, a quality rugby team to... I guess, inspire the next generation of players. We have, in terms of playing numbers, we shouldn't really compete on any stage with the top tier nations. We have small playing numbers, but I think, yeah, a Scottish team that's playing a good brand of rugby is one thing and uh, and relative success last year, you know, probably closer to where they need to be than they have been in the last couple of years. But also the the impact of eight guys going on a British and Irish Lions tour, um, that aspirational piece for guys who are, Youngsters watching the game thinking, you know, for years and years and years of, of Lions tours, you would see, a, a, you know, one Scot or two Scots or maybe even three if you were lucky. But to have eight guys go and to sit for six of them to get uh, captain test matches, I think is in pretty good health. I think in terms of playing numbers, I'd say since 2018, sorry, crowd numbers, Murrayfield's been a, a pretty spectacular place to come and watch rugby. I think the brand of rugby um, under Vern Cotter and his latter stages and, and certainly the brand of rugby that, that Gregor's trying to play with the team is a brand of rugby that people want to get behind um, and not that people want to get behind winning teams ultimately uh, the players want to be associated with winning teams um, but also I think they understand that at that level the margins are so small you know you could look back last year and everyone's talking about it was a successful year for Scotland but they still finished fourth in the table in the Six Nations so um, they won't be happy with that but they also understand they could it could have been Wales. I hate when people say, oh, we should have beaten someone because I, I, I definitely believe that you get what you deserve in this game. So they could have beaten them. Uh, they could have beaten Ireland, but 
the margins are so tight and the guys in the squad they have now are in a better position to understand that and actually do something about it. On the subject of uh, forwards, um, you've never had a shortage of hookers. You all seem to have two or three hookers. And yesterday, it looked like young Ewan Ashman uh, played well. But, I mean, have you ever seen at Murrayfield or indeed anywhere a finish like he executed for the try? <laughs> I don't know if I was more impressed or just more depressed. I never did anything like that in my career. <laughs> uh, no, he played really well. Um, he played really, I thought he had great. I mean, imagine coming on your first cap. Um, at Murrayfield, 68,000 people against Australia who are, who are on a bit of a run of form and throw into the into the mix. They're both their second rows are about eight foot tall and he's got to try and throw line outs. So I thought he equipped himself well, um, really well, actually. Um, and I think that kind of speaks more to the culture that they've got within the squad. The guys who are tending to come in as new players are actually settling in very fast into the squad. Mm. Yeah, to, 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 just finally then, John, I mean, Obviously, uh, the, the, the euphoria will be um, easing away during the week as, as they start preparing for South Africa. Um, do you think that they can beat South Africa? They won't be favourites, but do you think that they could surge on now mentally and physically and, and, and knock off the world champions? 100%. I think uh, doing that sort of bias, doing this, um, me leaning too much into my Scottish roots, but... You know, they beat Australia knocked over South Africa twice mm. in, in two weeks. So what? who's to say Scotland can't do the same? Um, it's a totally different game. The way they play the game, they'll, they'll almost have to turn their game plan on its head against South Africa. And it'll be a different challenge. It'll be a different challenge physically. Uh, and they would learn a lot. But I think for me, the fact that we're almost left Murrayfield yesterday, almost with relief rather than elation of beating a team as good as Australia is at the moment. So... It says a lot about the team. It says a lot about where they want to get to and the fact that they're not just content with with knocking over a Southern Hemisphere uh, big boy. So, you know, I, I think totally, totally the, the game's there for them this weekend. But this obviously will be the biggest challenge they'll have faced um, arguably in a number of years. John, hi. It's Owen Slots here. I, I'm really, really intrigued by the um, how Scotland play uh, this coming weekend against um, South Africa because you have uh, Gregor Townsend, who, who was obviously a key man in Warren Gatland's uh, coaching staff uh, uh, during the Lions tour, and um, we, we we got a, a brand of rugby from the Lions that, that you would never really uh, have aligned with with Gregor Townsend. Do, do you think that that um, we, we will see? Uh, Gregor Townsend type rugby that, uh, that the Lions maybe couldn't should have played or do you think he'll revert to the sort of rugby that the Lions thought they needed to play when they were down there? I don't think he'll play the sort of rugby the Lions played because it wasn't very successful. Um, I think everyone watched that series was, was pretty disappointed as, as a spectator. It, it wasn't a great spectacle to, to watch so it was certainly a, a conflict or in contrast sorry with the way of or the brand of rugby that I think Gregor wants to play and having been coached by him and worked with him. So, um, yeah, look, I think um, there's different ways to play the game. Um, Scotland won't beat South Africa uh, physically. Uh, you know, I don't care what anyone says. Almost no team in world rugby will beat them physically, given the, the sort of genetics and the player pool they have. Um, but that being said, I also don't think Scotland can play that wide game which they tried to play against Australia. They, they kept playing the ball out the back with a, key, a clear tactic in the first half to play the ball out the back, and they kept doing it. And I thought the Australian centres were, were superb, actually, in, in how they dealt with that. So I think Scotland are going to have to be pretty cute around about how they how they target South Africa and where they target South Africa. They're going to have to 
meet them confrontationally, but equally understand that they're going to have to move them around in those tight channels. I think um, one of the most disappointing things in the Lions too was how little rugby was was probably played in terms of ball and play. It was like I think it was twenty three minutes maybe um, in one of the test matches, which is kind of half what you'd expect. So. I'd imagine a lot of this week will be about how they keep the ball live, how they how they move the bigger men around, how they make them fatigue, and how they actually can be sort of cute in and around those tight exchanges. Um, and they'll have some ideas of how, of how they'll do that for sure. Okay, well, that's a great prospect made even greater by Scotland's win over Australia on Saturday. It's Scotland versus the world champions. John Barclay, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, John. Thanks a lot, John. Cheers, John. Great. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. See you later. 5 years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. It was great to talk to John Barclay there. Uh, what, a, what a tremendous player he was. And now a Times journalist. Um, Wales, South Africa. Um, I think I've already said um, earlier on in the podcast what an unbelievably intense match it was. And two things I thought from the Welsh point of view were, were, were encouraging. A, the crowd, after an absence of some time, um, were up really behind it. They didn't come across a, like a bunch of drunken party goers. Uh, in fact, there was one drunken party goer who ran on the field, but um, it was a, it was a fantastic atmosphere. And the press box at Cardiff is very close to the action, and the intensity of it was was absolutely brutal. And there was a time just towards the end, um, Slotty, where S- South Africa had had four or five attempts to drive and hadn't succeeded. So there was just a chance against the odds of Wales hanging on. What was your what were your overall impressions? 
I I loved the occasion. Um, uh, I, 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 I sat there wondering, thinking, I I know where this is going from from almost beginning to end. I thought Wales were were amazing that they managed to push the uh, the contest right to the right to the last ten. But I, I just always thought that South Africa had uh, had the superior quality. Um, though, as as you say, there was that period. It sort of it was it around the sort of seventy second, seventy third minute when South Africa were bashing away, and you thought this is where they were going to put the whole thing to bed. Mm. And um, and uh, bless him, it was. Um, the incredible Ellis Jenkins who got the turnover suddenly Wales were down the other end again and it, it did look like we might get one of those uh, th- those um, dr- dream outcomes at the end of a game where the under- underdog sort of uh, pulls off something amazing um, uh, they-, they can do it but I think I think for, as a as a you know, I, I know you hate the idea that these games could be building blocks or learning things or sort of something to the future. But yeah, I think Wales will feel. Um, well, you, you could tell after they felt felt pretty damn pleased with what they'd done. A couple of English friends of mine actually went down to that game on Saturday, and I was actually with them yesterday. And they had never been to the Principality Stadium before, and they just all they could. I mean, they said it was a great game, but to go back to the point that that Jonesy was just saying there, they just couldn't get over. The intensity in the ground, just the emotion, the the passion, all those other cliches that we always trot out. But actually, when the, when Cardiff is buzzing, there is nowhere like it. There really isn't. And I mean, I I watched the last sort of twenty minutes or so on you know on, on the telly, uh, having been at Twickenham, and I watched it, and it came through the it came through the screen how the the intensity of the game it was just fantastic and and there is there there, there is still something in, in, intangible about how wonderful a really great rugby occasion in Cardiff can be I went away thinking asking myself this this question what would it have looked like without any fans in there because uh, I'm so jaundiced by the the Lions experience and and the the month that we spent down there and and I don't think the rugby was was any better. I don't think Wales played hardly any rugby at all. But for, as we were saying, it felt like one of the great days to be in a stadium. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I, but but I, you, you guys getting jaundiced. I wasn't jaundiced at all by that too. I loved every minute of it, Slotty. Yeah, well, I did. I loved every minute of it. I loved it when Apart we got that rugby, wine delivery matches, out of the, the blue. Yeah, no, that, that that was lovely. That was from um, <laughs> Peter Steff to Toy's father, you know. Yeah, well, that was, you know, we we got friends in high places. Anyway, we? Um, Invers um, South <laughs> Africa, no no no, um, no variation on their normal theme. But I don't know whether you, um, as a halfback yourself, um, felt that F- Fafter Clerk was sadly missed because the two guys who tried to t- um, uh, who make up for his absence didn't. I, I don't understand why South Africa feel the need to play in the sort of the intransigent way they do when actually when you look at some of the players that South Africa have got South Africa have got at their disposal they could almost play if they wanted if there was a mindset there they could almost play like the wallabies do you know mm. but but i mean when have you ever when did you last see you know well if marcus if marcus smith was south african I think he might ignite I wish that. He was. Think he think he, <laughs> think how he could ignite that back division. You know, as much chance as Emma Raducanu. <laughs> come on, you know that. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, it's it's a winning formula, isn't it? But it, it does it doesn't excite. It, well, uh, listen, it, it's the, not the, allowed it, to excite. Well, the problem is this is when you come back to the same old thing. You know, and uh, we, we every time on the, the odd occasions that you invite me onto this thing, we end up having the same conversation. But this is about: Do you preach to the converted, or are you trying to actually get more people interested in the sport? 
if you if all that matters to you is winning and the, and the rugby fraternity watch and we all have an opinion about how South Africa play and South Africa play like that ergo they win then you say fine you don't mind whether other people outside the, the game aren't that bothered if you actually have as your totem bearers if you put the All Blacks to one side but as the current world champions if you have as the current standard bearers for your sport the people who set the standard to get everybody interested in it a team that plays in such a in def- such a pragmatic let's be fair though let's be let's be um let's be conservative about it in such a pragmatic way the whole time you're you not you are not going to get people to go wow isn't this a great sport fantastic have you seen the way they play because it doesn't that doesn't that doesn't in- excite you and and you know set, sets you uh, your your the thing your is light. what you're so, saying but, is- but south africa don't care about that because it doesn't matter yeah, so I was, that's what I was going to say. What you're saying is is how we we're looking at it. Yeah. But when you're in, when you've been in Cape Town for a month, like Jonesy and I have uh, were were in um in July, you you understand that that what you're saying it doesn't just doesn't register. They're, no, no, no. They're but... not thinking like that at all. The, the thing that matters most to them is victory, yep. and then and then the the style of, the, of of your rugby is 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 almost irrelevant. But that's why going back to you know, Marcus Smith again, this is when you actually. The, the irrelevance or what Jonesy sees as the irrelevance as in the ephemeral the marketing the PR the publicity the image all that sort of stuff of your product you know you may think it's irrelevant Jonesy but that's what brings the cash in that's what actually gets the TV contracts that's what gets people talking about your sport they don't you know you, a couple of those all black Australia games in the summer I mean, if you just played those to people who had never seen a game of rugby in their lives, they would have gone, whoa, this is the most incredible sport. How do I, when do I start? When can my kids play? This is just brilliant. But you've you, already you, said that people were just going bonkers at Cardiff for that game, which they were. Rugby is rugby can be done in a couple of different ways. The idea that you've got to have f- five tries no, and attack but, in rugby is nonsense. No, I agree with you about that, but the people who had an amazing day in Cardiff were rugby people anyway. No, they I'm, weren't. Yes, they were. They weren't. It's been, it's been proven, John, that the people there are eventers. The old, the old thing where they all used to sing Come Ronda and all that, it's gone. They're eventers. Jones, when well, you've got a capacity of 75,000, you don't have to fill it with rugby people. Jones, can I, let, let me ask you something that, 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 that John was just saying. Liz, I think he was saying this, John, which I think is really interesting. If you look at, if you was look it, at the Royal... Was argumentative when he was on the BBC? <laughs> it wasn't allowed to be. That, that's why it was his life <laughs> ambition to join the Ruck. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you look at the raw talent on that South Africa team, so I would say that Colby, obviously injured not playing, but Colby and Mpimpi, I would say, would, would be the most uh, dangerous or, or slash exciting uh, pairs of wingers in the world. I would say that Lucanio Am and, and, and De Allende are probably the best centre partnership in the world, or, albeit that they are both of a, of a, of a sim, similar style. Kobus Reinach, I mean, he, he is an. Ex- we've seen him in the Premiership. He, he doesn't. He doesn't lack for much. Do you think that if you, if you said to uh, to Gregor Townsend, sorry mate, you've lost your job with with Scotland, but you're now the Springbok coach. Do you think that they could produce something pretty amazing? Because I, I, I think that's what you were saying. I, and it is, yeah. The, but, the, but there's, there's not potential. the will. There's not the will. Yeah. Or the necessity. Well, Going back to your point, well, they but, they found a way, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and, you know, incidentally, I think the Kenya Am is an absolutely brilliant rugby player as well, and and I do think that he doesn't get a chance to to, to show it. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Oh, so now you're agreeing with us now? So, no, no, but he he does show it. He, he did his is is little chip and, and collect on on Saturday it was amazing. Yeah. And do you, yeah. he he um initiated a try. I think it was in the in the box 
um, All Blacks game with the incredible sort of flick behind the behind his yeah. back. Oh, that was him, wasn't it? Just, just, Jeez, um, he can do amazing things. South Africa, John, can South Africa, or rather, I was going to say, can South Africa lose to Scotland? Can Scotland big big themselves up one more time and beat South Africa? I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the odds are on that. I mean, the I mean, South Africa will obviously be favourites. I think it's not impossible. I think it, it could be a one-score game. But mm. but the thing that Slotty was saying about the almost inevitability in Cardiff, just the brute force of the Springboks. You know, after I mean, the, the Welsh defence was incredible. But how many times can you get up and tackle and get up and tackle and get up and tackle against that South African mm. side? And if they just pick and go and pick and go and pick and go endlessly, at some point they're going to score and maybe that will be the, the deciding but factor again. also, um, if you think that South Africa only had, I think it was three attacking scrums in the in the Wales game. Mm. I mean, Wales got off so lightly by only having three go, go against them because they, they were just marching forwards every single time. And I... I'd be absolutely astonished if the Scottish scrum goes any better. True. Let's just go on to something we've been talking about off air, as we say in uh, in, in uh, podcasting. Um, <laughs> Japan, the great um, story of the Japanese World Cup, beating Scotland, playing magnificent rugby, absolutely thrashed by Ireland. Um, the, and this is when Japan are actually on the verge of being admitted to the rugby championship. Uh, should we now be really worried about this John or I thought that was the single most dispiriting result of the weekend yeah. I mean I found the Tonga result dispiriting for all the euphoria of Marcus Smith just get him in there quickly um, good but, player uh, yeah good player actually I think. <laughs> uh, but but um, you know as as watching it on a big screen sort of out the corner of an eye and, as, and every time you looked over Ireland had scored again you thought mm. what is going on here and I, d- I don't know because I didn't really watch the game in its entirety or, and it's you know in 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 the sort of holistic kind of way whether it's just that Ireland were very very good although a couple of Irish mates say they were or whether Japan are just poor and on a sort of a bit of a, a dip at the moment I mean I think what it does do is it makes Ireland against the All Blacks arguably the match of the weekend coming up I mean I think that's really really interesting because you know it's clearly the way Johnny Sexton's you know flying at the moment and really up for the up for it and. I just, I, you know, I think if the, it's not beyond the, the bounds of possibilities for the for Ireland to beat the All Blacks this weekend, and that that's what this this time next week on the ruck, that's what you'd be talking about. That would be the big talking point. I think Invis is right there. Then there was he had to be right sometime in this podcast. It, that, but, but if you were, if you were only going to one game this coming weekend, if you know someone said here's a ticket for the game, that's the game you go to. Well, even if Marcus Smith is starting for England, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> there was one game in Sydney, chaps, that we, we we're going to hear from Jess Hayden about, and that was when New Zealand were not only beaten as the Black Ferns, but absolutely crushed. And I think on set on on Sunday, the whole world of the women's rugby, international rugby. Uh, changed completely, possibly forever, and also the World Cup change. I wouldn't have thought the World Cup organisers in New Zealand were that happy that that, that uh, their their team, the Black Ferns, conceded fifty odd points. But what a magnificent performance by by England! And also, John, you would did you see the game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You would well, you would have loved it because it was backs taking on backs in attack. Yes. Um. Hell, um. Uh, um Couple, the, there, were, there were a couple of outside the, breaks. The England midfield just instead of popping the ball off to huge forwards or kicking it, they they ran. Uh, the, the two wings were in the game all the time. Abby Dow got the try she deserved towards is the that end. Maidenhead, Abby Dow, absolutely, no, absolutely, is absolutely magnificent. 
absolutely magnificent. And they beat him up up front and they beat him up behind. What more can you want? And going, and I'm just going to keep this theme running through, much though you annoy it or, or don't like it, is actually, from a marketing point of view, it was a great advert for the game because mm. of the ball going wide, because of the fact that it was backs running at backs and things like that. You know, again, if, you, if you're trying to sell women's rugby to people who are not engaged in it at the moment... There were elements of that match yesterday where you'd have gone, wow, that's just fantastic. And that's important. That's every bit as important as every other aspect of the game. I, I would wonder, if you sort of looking at that, Eng that England women's rugby team uh, over sort of broader sport, is there a more dominant team in, in English sport or in the UK sport anywhere in the, uh, in, on, on the global stage? I, I would say that there probably now are preeminent um, sporting Team. I mean, and almost more, and I think a more interesting question than that because I'd love to, I'd almost love to be in Auckland at the moment, but obviously nobody's allowed in. <laughs> but but you know to be there at the moment, and actually, what does I mean? That wasn't just a beating. That was you know John Barkley's not with us anymore, but a great that great Scottish word a gubbing. That was an absolute thrashing that they that they took. And how and and we we all know from a New Zealand rugby perspective that that is almost alien to their experience two weeks in a row, I wonder actually what serious conversations are taking place there about the pecking order now and whether, whether I know it's been an experimental side that hasn't played much and what have you, but whether they're thinking, God, we've got real problems now. Jonesy, how, how much, how much um, uh, can you give the, the Black Ferns in that respect, as, as Inver's said? They haven't, they haven't played test rugby for, for Yonks, but they've hardly played any, uh, any rugby at home anyway. I mean, is it so? So when um, when England won in the first week, we we, we all went, oh, well, the Black Ferns haven't played for ages. We'll really see them properly again next week. Well, the following week, the, the um, victory was even more comprehensive. So, do, do you? I mean, obviously, a year's a long time to the next World Cup, but 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 is that an assessment of where the two teams are? Uh, well, it, possibly not. But I don't think there's any. I don't think that that New Zealand have got the Black Ferns have got 15 players to bring in for a start. But they did actually play. They played in the Farrah Palmer Cup, which was a provincial thing. So as long as if they didn't play at all, they did. Have, they did have rugby, but they were cowed. And the thing is, the, the, the great players they did have, like Kendra Cox at at scrum half, completely lost it. She was binned once and could easily have been red carded, and she completely lost it because she's not used to it. You know, Portia Woodman on the wing. Was an Olympic gold medalist got the ball twice. So, as Owen said, is there or asked, are, are there any teams in any sport in uh, in Britain at the moment that are so far ahead of the rest of the field? Well, we'll find out what our Jess Hayden uh, thought about it right now. On Sunday, England beat New Zealand 56-15 in the second meeting of the two sides this autumn. Amy Cocaine, the England hooker, scored a hat-trick and tries also came from Ellie Cooldown, Leanne Infant, Lark Davis and Abby Dow. England were also awarded a penalty try for a deliberate knock-on. For New Zealand, Portia Woodman scored two tries and Lydia Flula scored one to limit the damage. This is the second week in a row that England have broken the record for the biggest point difference against New Zealand. Poppy Cleal could not have asked for much more in her debut as England captain. Elsewhere this week, it was announced that Wales women would receive professional contracts for the first time as part of a £2 million annual investment from the Welsh Rugby Union. As Wales faced Japan on Sunday, Captain Shuan Lillycrap wasted no time improving her worth by crossing the try line after just two minutes at the Cardiff Arms Park. Team GB7 superstar Jasmine Joyce scored a further two tries before a late consolation effort from Japan's Seina Sato, but it was not enough to stop Wales winning their first game in 32 months. 
The final score was Wales Women 23, Japan 5. On Friday, Ireland play USA Women at 7.15pm, which you can watch on RTE Player. Wales play South Africa on Saturday. Kickoff is 12.15pm and the game will be live on BBC2 Wales. On Sunday, England play Canada at 2.30pm, live on BBC2, and Scotland face Japan at 10 past four. Let's just quickly move on to the Premiership now. Another great week, and indeed, as we said in, on, in the previous ruck, another week ruined by the fact that some great games really really disappointing and they've got to do something about it and they've got to great. do something about having free to air publicity because people don't know it's happening at the moment can That's i just right. can That's i can i say something here jonesy yeah so so i completely agree with you it's such a shame that these that these games are, are being um not not being given the full full reign and full blast of the uh, best players and best publicity because of the international season you're completely right and you talked about this on the ruck last week it, i mean it's terrible but this time the clubs have got themselves to blame I mean, they invited a thirteenth team in. They've in, they've added four extra weeks to the season. Mm. So he, he, we could. I mean, who are we sort of saying? Oh, it's such a shame. It's their blinking fool. They've done this. It, it, I agree. It, and it, there'll it be is, fourteen next year. It is at least. Yeah, but there won't be fourth. any more weekends because it's it's the same thing. But sure, it's, okay. it, it's their decision. They should be slimming it down, making it stronger and better, rather than flamming it out and making it bigger and. Okay. Okay, that's yeah. strong Sorry. words there. No, yeah. I, I agree. Well, it, it, well, the well, thing word. is, now you're chief sports writer, you can say that sort of thing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a new authority that you got. Incredible comeback for London, by London Irish on Saturday against Saracens from, from way back and with only 14 men. Uh, Harlequins without, uh, what's his name? Tommy Allen. Without Marcus Smith, uh, also won. AJ McGinty. AJ McGinty was back for sale, probably back to their best. Newcastle. First win over Exeter at Sandy Park. That's incredible. God bless that them. They're going like a bomb. Yep. Um, just uh, move on finally now to our God or Goddess of the Week. Um, it's not it's allowed tough. To pick slotty it's tough, this. this one, isn't it? You you're know, not allowed it to is. pick slotty. <laughs> Can we have three Marcus Smiths? <laughs> no, no, no. Way, okay, well, no. Okay, no, listen. There, 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 is, there is no. one. Sorry, there's no. one. There's one um, stipulation. Yes, they've got to have played more than ten seconds against. And this I wasn't going to say. Listen, you need to get off that high horse. (laughs) And you know, I tell you something. On Saturday, I think even allowing for the opposition and even allowing for the issues about Tonga and money, and which we haven't even started on, and we won't go around again. But it's an issue. Even allowing for everything else, I think on Saturday England discovered a player who will be an absolute rock of their team at the apex of English international rugby for the next five years, potentially, and beyond. And his name is? Freddie Stewart. Yep, absolutely. I think so. Chief sports writer, I knew that, Jonesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because in, that intuition you just had it, didn't you? Yeah, well, sure. But, but just, uh, but so I just thought, I just thought, under a high ball, just everything about him said, "I am England's fullback for the next few years, injuries permitting, and everything else." I just think he was fantastic. Okay, this is a slightly surprising one from Invis, but a good, good choice. Sorry, I thought it was a great choice. Um, mine's um, uh, just for, from being in the um, Principality Stadium, uh, as we said, a great occasion. I found it quite moving, actually, watching Ellis Jenkins play as well as he did. Um, because uh, if you didn't know, he was he was injured in a, a, a decades ago, 
He had great potential. He's he's a Welsh captain in the making, or he was before he got injured. Hasn't played for international rugby for over two years, and um, th- this was his comeback, and that was some comeback. I mean, he didn't find his feel his way back into the into that level. He was right on the top of it from the start. I thought that was amazing. Very good. My, mine would have been the fly half. Um, I would have gone for Dan Bigger, whose unbelievable courage under pressure and his strength and his optimism and his refusal to bow down is just incredible. And the, 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 the stick he gets from Welsh fans is absolutely ridiculous. But I'm going to go uh, to the opposite sex. I'm going to go to Helena Rowland, who played in the centre for England, was optimistic, went for the break, put people through with the pass, and I just thought she was delightful. She's only a young youngster from Loughborough, Lightning, and I just thought she was excellent and really, really, really joyous and I think, John, you and I can agree on that. There was some joyous rugby played and she was at the hub of it. Yeah, and if, if are, we, are we getting to the end of this now, Jonesy? Are we getting to the end of this? Because actually, if we are, the joy was actually what Marcus Smith brought to Twickenham on Saturday. That sense of wonder at a young person seizing the stage and saying... I'm in charge here. That's what? it was. That, that was that was joyous. I genuinely. wondered why the hell that bloke was do, was what he was doing out there. I really did. So I had a sense of wonder as well. <laughs> Thank you, John Inverdale, uh, Owen Slot. Don't forget, not the rugby correspondent, but the chief uh, sports writer from the Times. Presumably and that's, that's the Times that's more, of London as well. Is that presumably more money though, Slotty? Is that what what it was? It unbelievable. Do you not see the helicopter arrive in? <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah. uh, John Inverdale. Thank you very much. Uh, people of um, um, older people would, re- would remember your fantastic career, and all I can say is seriously, <laughs> seriously, you were sadly you were sadly missed on the BBC because you were as, as much a part of of home nations rugby as any of the players, and I mean that sincerely. Thanks, everybody. Follow us next week. We'll be having more conversations about Marcus Smith. Uh, uh, I'll be taking a holiday. <laughs> and um, stick with it. It's been a great tournament so far this autumn. The trouble is, it's not a tournament. There, you see, you've just in that in that payoff, Jonesy. That's the problem, and that's why Marcus Smith has to start against South Africa. If it was a tournament, then we'd have a conversation about okay. it. Because <laughs> it's not a tournament, he has to start. So results, the don't, results uh, don't Thanks for matter. listening this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> results don't matter. So we'll ask the Twickenham groundsman to take the scoreboard down because no one cares. Thank you. <laughs>